0: Yo, how are you doing, folks? Welcome to episode sixty-eight of the Simple Life Podcast. Happy Valentine's Day out there, folks! If you are alone today, know that at least you're going to have me and my wonderful guest for a couple of hours of company. And there are seven point, probably close to eight billion people now on this planet that are probably sharing a similar kind of mindset today. This is a false corporate holiday. You do not need to be told to love somebody for one day. There are three hundred and sixty-five days to go out there, find connections, find meaning, find love and friendship. There's there's plenty of us out there. Um, Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to segue from that onto today's guest. So we're just going to jump roughly into it. Um, Yeah, probably going to give you an idea of how we're going to go with this one. Today's guest is a repeat guest. He was originally on in December 2020, if anyone can remember that far back. uh, Number six episode, and he's now obviously 68. So it's been quite a hell of a lot has happened. So we're going to catch up on all the different news views. And uh, I suppose we'll get some reviews of what's happened over the past 12 months. Um, He is a consultant neurologist, prescription cannabis specialist. Notice I said prescription cannabis. We'll circle back in that in a minute, folks. He is a public speaker, educator, as well as an author. He's the chair of the Medical Cannabis Clinics Society. He is a director of Maple Tree Consultants, as well as the creator of the new cannabis industry council. He is Professor Mike Barnes. How are you doing, Mike?
1: All right, thank you for asking me, and Happy Valentine's Day as well. So, no, um, oh, you're the first yeah, one to good. say it to me, so I there appreciate you it. go. <laughs> no, it's good to come back. I didn't realise it was number six now to sixty-eight. So you've had sixty-two um, guests progressing the the sector since. That's that's good in many ways that you've got so many people and so many points of view. So I'm glad to come back and uh, update. I suppose depends what you're going to ask me but far away <laughs> i love that i love that uh, sort of personal hesitation but
0: it's it's good it's good you know there's gonna be nothing too rough in this uh, as usual i have my uh, my my notes over here they're quite a bit rough and ready as uh, I threw this together last night after coming in from the chilling room so i might be leaning over a bit rough to try and get my eyes on that um i suppose first up I guess we'll jump straight into it. Uh, mm-hmm. pres- prescription cannabis. So I yeah. noticed recently um, that the cannabis industry council, which is, I suppose, the unified body of um, sort of consensus and knowledge and vision for the cannabis yeah. sector have now renamed its former medical cannabis group as a prescription cannabis group. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah.
1: Well, I think it's a better title. I mean, for since the since the medical cannabis scenario started back in 18 it's been called just that medical or medicinal cannabis. and I think quite rightly people have been a bit confused with that. I mean where does medical cannabis stop and adult use call it what you will adult recreational cannabis start? and there's a big overlap clearly between the two and we may talk about that, but adult use, uh, cannabis can be relaxing. That's part of it. What it's there for, I guess, and therefore it reduces anxiety. It helps sleep and such like. So, is that medical? Um, so, I think I think, and I, I don't claim credit for this. I, I, we, you and I talked about it a few weeks ago. Kelly Seaman mentioned it, and I think a better, more accurate title uh, for cannabis prescribed by a doctor, and that's the only difference, is is just that it's prescription cannabis, and that differentiates it from clearly, from non-prescription cannabis, which can still have a medical value. And all the people who grow their own, they're growing it clearly for medical, um, well, some of them growing for uh, for medical value. So I think prescription cannabis is a better title than medical or medicinal cannabis, absolutely. And that went through the Cannabis Industry Council um, executive group without, uh, without any demur at all. It was uh, I think it's a title that now is accepted and indeed should be accepted. Excellent, excellent.
0: Yeah, it's, um, again, I'm not going to solely claim credit. Uh, eagle-eyed viewers of this podcast will recognize a conversation that myself and uh, Matt Hughes from, oh, yeah. my there were so many acronyms. MedCan we- Med- support. MedCan Med- support, yeah. thank you. Um, we discussed it, and he, he said it, and I instantly kind of jumped in. I went, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Because as soon as he said it, the scenario that popped into my head was something like benzodiazepine or gabapentin, which if yeah. you have it as a prescription drug, perfectly fine you're cool if you then get caught with it now with gabapentin, it's a scheduled drug but it's lit it is exactly exactly the same thing but you wouldn't call one medical mm. gabapentin and the other recreational gabapentin. <laughs> so it just it, it, it hit the misnomer and the the yeah, false dichotomy course, that it created as, uh,
1: i agree as soon as i heard that term I thought that's that's a better term why didn't we think of that three years ago I mean, why did I think of that three years ago? But I'm sure some people thought of it a long time before I did. But it's the right term. It differentiates, simply differentiates, cannabis prescribed by a doctor and cannabis not prescribed by a doctor. Simple as that.
0: Do you think then, because um, I suppose you're touching it there and actually it is one of my other questions that I think we've, we've, we, spoke, we speak of basically, I think most times we're public together, which is sort of, if then all consumption has in some way uh, positive or potential positive beneficial effect on the endocannabinoid system. So it could reduce uh, inflammation, help reduce cortisol levels for stress, et cetera. And it affects many proliferal uh, pathways and, and different sort of uh, neurological uh, functions. So then if we think are then going to move towards this, this idea that then it's all just cannabis and then the prescription is what is the authorization. Do you think on the flip side of this, the, not having the prescription detrimentally affects the benefit of cannabis or the potential benefit of it to the consumer?
1: No. I mean, it it legitimizes it in the sense that it's legal. That's the only difference at the moment. It's legal. Hmm. Um, And, and, you know, cannabis is cannabis. The the components, the cannabinoids and the terpenes are the same. They they, they don't suddenly change when you write a prescription for it, do they? So people growing their own cannabis for their own medical use, um, it's it's a perfect perfect it's the same product mm-hmm. so uh, all it all it is that's all it means it is it just it's the legitimate legal face of cannabis i suppose you could say yeah
0: so i suppose uh, that's kind of, that's answered part i guess of my question but the, i suppose the it was a bit more abstract than i intended it to be but say um i i am bill in this scenario so bill grows plants in his bedroom to treat his condition x mm-hmm. yeah um his condition is a physical, physically degenerative condition. Yeah. We, we know the neurological and uh, psychosomatic stress, sorry, the psychosomatic effect of stress on the body. If he's then scared of every time the sirens go up and down the street and he's worried <laughs> and he's twitching, the, well, I was trying to allude to the fact that if you've then got the piece of paper, you see the sirens and you're like, yeah, I'm fine. But if you don't have the piece of paper protection, so if, you then, if you've grown cannabis for anxiety, you can end up in the paradox of then being paranoid of being caught with your yes. anxiety-reducing medication, thus
1: yes. Yes. having more anxiety. No, that's absolutely... That's a perfectly good point. So what we need to resolve that, and I'm, I keep off the, the, the perfectly valid debate about adult use, purely recreational use, and forgive me for a moment, it's... Um, Bear with me. No worries. Thank you. Thanks. Hi. This is my wife, for those who are... <laughs> and she's not delivering a bottle of wine, which is what it looks like there. It's uh, <laughs> What is it? It's uh, lemonade. There you go. Ooh. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Apologies to your viewers for that, but I've um, not no had way. a chance to stop to eat anything, so I'll try not to eat whilst talking. And I've now completely lost the thread of what we were talking about. We were talking about... um. You were saying that you
0: sort of abstain from the uh, perfectly reasonable debate of adult consumption versus... Yeah, uh, but
1: there's a, a lot of people who, who use cannabis, and it is for medical purposes. Right? And the more we can less make people less stressed about that, the better. And after all, you know, that's what annoys me at the moment. And the government changed a law to allow people to access cannabis for medical purposes and they thought job's done and they've said that in parliament many times you know it's not us we've done it now mate it's just those nasty doctors who won't prescribe it and there's an element of truth in that um but there's an element of truth that the government could make it easier to get it on prescription free um legally and that's what should as as you know as well as i do and the viewers know there's at least two million people in this country, at least two million, that's a conservative estimate, who would benefit from cannabis for its medical value. And we've now prescribed something like 12,000, 12,500, so that's a tiny number. 12,000 said in isolation sounds a big number. It's not a big number because there's 1.9 something million more to go. Um, and so the government and the medical bodies need to do much more to take it out the private sector. And I would love to see cannabis not prescribed. Well, you can carry on prescribing the public sector for uh, people, the private sector for people who want it Mm -hmm. and can't afford it, but the vast majority of people need it and deserve it on the National Health Service. And that would get rid of that. Mm Um, anxiety that people have still have to grow it in their front room because they can't possibly afford it privately, and I'm totally sympathetic to that. So what I'm my focus still, sadly, still the same as when I talked to you okay, 15 months ago, whenever it was, is to get it more available, available. Full stop on the National Health Service. That's what we need, and that doesn't that doesn't negate. The valid debate about the adult use recreational market, absolutely fine. Have that debate. But let's get it to people who need it for medical purposes. And we've failed dismally. There's still three NHS prescriptions in three years. That is appalling. All for the high-profile, three high-profile children. And it's just not good enough. And that's what we absolutely need to tackle. And we need to stop the anxiety of people who are growing it themselves for their own perfectly good, valid medical reasons. I mean, it's it's a difficult
0: thing because it's something I discussed with, uh, who did we have on uh, Sandra Castaneda Lepp recently? Who was the widow of OG Eddie Lepp, who was the one of the most prolific cases charged by the DEA under uh, Prop 215 medical compassion in California. And um, I'm not going to betray too I'm not going to betray her confidence, but basically we had, we had a conversation afterwards where I kind of asked advice of what she thought, and what kind of her generation of activists would do in our position in the UK. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be what I, what I think is going to happen is the more robust of a system that you create around prescription, it's just going to be massively abused. And it's in the paradox of people that although they will be benefiting from it as in a supplementation to their endocannabinoid system and may even be staving off a genetic condition, a degenerative condition, an environmental uh ailment or illness even things like cancer you know i mean we understand the prophylactic benefits of um consumption i mean we're even now starting to understand about the uh the looking at the very new study that came out that everyone jumped on of the acidic forms of thc cbg and cbd mm-hmm. and then forming to spike proteins in uh, in a yeah. c- in the c word i'm not going to say it because i've lost episodes recently on some servers um but yeah so it's as we start to understand that i guess that it then becomes a, a bottleneck of then going well if as you said before everyone needs and deserves it if we look at say environmental impact of say living in london there's 40 odd thousand additional deaths a year from pollution mm. if we would then use similar data studies we could find areas where cancer rates are much higher where toxins in the foods in the soil and the waterways are then causing more illnesses so then those individuals it could then be argued would have a need for prophylactic medical consumption but that doesn't fit into either debate at the minute and I think the problem is yeah. going to be that people's the conscious benefit they're going to get from it is going to come post this this binary discussion and I think that if either one takes a step forward they're both going to suffer there needs to be this, this parlay to understand best practice and best Intention, intention, so that there's a few, few, some people are going to get left behind when in the first wave and creation and phase of a system. But the point is to leave as few behind as possible. As you said, 12,000 compared to the 1.2 million they were originally touting in 2017 when we were stood in the cold with our banners and waving. They were saying 1.2 million will have access overnight. We'll be able to self identify mm-hmm. as patients. We'll be able to cultivate our own. We'll be able to have the other side of this compassion networks. Because yeah. a lot of people can't grow the one, don't have the space to grow the one, don't have the skills and, like I said, the fear. Yeah,
1: the time, exactly, yeah. yeah, That's not right for everyone at all. I don't mind that in the slightest. But as you say, there's a lot of people who can't, who don't want to, who haven't got the time or they've got, they've got too disabled to do it. And, you know, it's not right that those people um, are forced to buy it still on the black market because they can't afford it privately. And that's. I would like to think that's not what the government intended.
0: I, I would like to think the same. The same as well. I'm uh, without good jumping into too much at the minute because it's going to be a future live show from the Chilling rooms. Hopefully, um, the time I've spent on Merseyside recently, things. I don't know. I'm not going to put my tinfoil hat on. We're not going back to those days, people. But um, yeah, there's some conversations to be had about either purely coincidental or entirely causal relationships between certain sectors at the minute. And I think what they've done with the creation of medical, or sorry, the yeah, the creation of this medical cannabis misnomer for past several years has actually incentivized and empowered criminal elements. And I don't mean sort of Dave growing it down the street and selling a few ounces or even, you know, Mike and his couple of keys. I'm on about the serious organized criminal elements. They are now praying and targeting People that are looking for Echoat's medical cannabis, not that street weed, that medical cannabis. So again, yeah. I th- I th- in fact,
1: all the all the publicity, frankly, um, about medicinal cannabis, which is great in many ways in the mainstream press, on the radio, on the television, actually, all it's doing is driving more people into the criminal market. So the criminal fraternity uh, must love all this because it's increased. Their, we're doing their own marketing for them, aren't we? And to, yeah. Did the government really intend that to happen? I really don't think so. Well, it's an interesting thing. So it, you could look at, if you then want
0: to scan back to later history for, this is going to sound very brief to people that maybe have not heard me discuss this before, but look at say the opium wars. Look at what the British Empire did when we set India and China up um, and we took over the hashish and uh, the opium trades. We, we then created through criminalization social control mechanisms, which some uh, modern philosophers and, and, and sort of uh, anthropologists could even argue that that was the point of the war on drugs. When this started, the modern era of the, the war on drugs, there's a few thousand people here and there were seriously dependent on substances or even knew of certain substances or had access to them. As soon as you create national campaigns and you put on the TV, this drug exists and it's dangerous and don't do it. You all of a sudden you're appealing to a certain subsection of individuals that feel disenfranchised from the system that then go, wait, you lied to me. Last week you said butter was bad. This week you're saying it's good. The other week you said, that's gonna give me cancer. And now you're saying it'll cure cancer. Now you're saying there's so much contradictory in almost um deliberately contradictory information out there It depends on which form of the outside of the algorithm or even the political aisle you fall on as to what news you will deem relevant and from that they've been able to sort of dis, yeah just discombobulate the whole sector of consciousness around this so this is why our I- I prayers heavily the now moving towards prescription cannabis, because it allows us to every time we say cannabis, it's all cannabis. We're not drawing this arbitrary and imaginary line between, well, who supplied it? What did they do? The plant mm-hmm. is the plant is the plant. As you said eloquently before, mm-hmm. this is a campaign that I'm going to be doing is cam- cannabis is cannabis.
1: Yes, exactly. I'd love to say, I've just actually come off a, a talk just before this, uh, looking at the MedMen adverts in the States. And they're really good i mean they've got a bit of one example they've got a picture of an old lady and that they paid stoner question mark they cross it off and put grandmother you know they've got a picture of a nurse and they've got you know stoner crossed off nurse you know it's it's legal that's the sort of campaign i'd love to do if someone could drop a hundred thousand pounds into my lap or something um on the side of a bus you know side of the the escalators in london let's Let's make it clear that this is a medicine and it is now legal to be prescribed. And that's what we need. Because I think we, we, sometimes those of us in the cannabis space work in a little bit of a bubble. Um, you know, we think everyone knows all about it. But if you go out there and you ask 10 people at a bus stop, is cannabis legal? I pretty well guarantee that six, the majority, let's put it that way, I don't know a number, uh, would say, no, it don't be ridiculous. And we hear that not only from the public, but from the police, for example. You know, no, it's no. We've heard many seizures of legitimate medical cannabis by the police, and the person said, "That's my that's my legal product. They can't take it away from me. That'd be ridiculous. It's of course it's not legal." Um, so we need what I would love to do more than anything else is a proper public awareness campaign that this is a medicine and it is legal to be prescribed. So, yeah, but I've got hundred thousand yet. So if I put a plea out to your listeners here,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah all, all my multimillionaires out there, yeah, any multimillionaires out there yeah.
1: that are listening to this podcast, yeah, don't, don't buy, a... don't
0: buy that second yacht. Do you know what I mean? No. Come, come over here and have a conversation it's, about exactly, we can advance. Exactly. This Let's do this. <laughs> but it's it's we're arriving at a point where I kind of hoped. Almost, it's basically where we were about four years ago. When basically we all accepted that cannabis was cannabis and it depended on how you use it. If you then needed it, then what happened is the people that then were like, oh, I just enjoy it and I might get benefit, but I don't notice. They were happy to pay and subsidize it. So the cafes that initially sort of opened at the first wave of um, when Parliament started discussing removing it from a B to a C, those first areas of sort of coffee shops that jumped up um, sort of around the chilling room sort of time, they all had sort of a subsidized system. So that meant for the people that needed high amounts, they needed access to oils, they needed whatever they sort of needed, that that was at a vastly uh, reduced rate and everybody else in-house He's quite ha- happy. Whereas I feel that now because of the, the miseducation and the people just want to be legal and safe, mm. a lo- a lo- that ethos wouldn't carry through now. So I think that the, the wider you open this, this door, the more people are going to rush through it in the same way in California, 97, 98, they started to have these epidemics of back pain and migraines and insomnia because mm-hmm. they were the easiest uncheckable qualifying criteria for a medical yes. marijuana card. And this yes. is where I feel that can card and others. I mean, we've actually, we've got Carly on uh, next week is uh, the okay. next episode. So mm-hmm. going to discuss some of this with her, but I'm a bit worried that the, these systems are the, <laughs> They, they, they can't almost exist without then a tandem of an actual decriminalization of other consumption, because then you're, you, where else is this supply coming from? if you don't allow an element so if you suddenly decriminalize um all cultivation and all trades you would very quickly be able to identify then who is doing something wrong who is stealing electric who is controlling a patch through violence and intimidation who is indoctrinating the youth into like gang culture and lifestyle you know i mean who is um all kinds of proliferal sort of um issues but then you've got the problem of taxation so that everything at the minute is it's it's so contingent that the steps that go forward they have to go in tandem because otherwise one is just going to harm mm. the other as i say
1: yeah yeah that's, that's the slight trouble that the, the government changed the law but they didn't change all the other laws around it well the, the, there are lots the, of examples of that aren't there? i mean if driving is one obvious example they you know there's, if you take any regular cannabis for medical purposes you'll be over the driving limit full stop two micrograms per litre, you'll be well over that. You can be over that with one joint for several days. Um, I know there's a medical defence, sure, there's a medical defence, but you've got to defend, you shouldn't need to defend it. They should change the law. So there's lots of examples where the government hasn't just thought it through. They've changed this bit, but they haven't changed all the other bits that flow from it.
0: I, I would argue on the other side that they have. So when they changed the Road Traffic Act uh, from Section 4 to Section 5A, uh, re- removing impairment for cannabis, the requirement for impairment of cannabis, um, basically stating that as long as we've got this arbitrary level of, yeah, as you say, two milligrams of THC per litre of blood, um, then, yeah, you're deemed to be over the legal limit and therefore mm. it's an automatic... Prosecution basically, the evidence yes. is there. You can, you can dispute the evidence for in terms of how it was taken, procedural, etc. I'll um, yeah. usher you guys back to Outlaws episode for for a good conversation about that a couple okay. of episodes ago. Um, but yes, yeah, so that I I feel that. They, if they then create then a defense for that, again, everybody then jumps into, well, I've got to, I'll get a prescription in the cool. And then automatically, you've then got, say, 1.4 million people that can get behind a wheel of a car legally, but a lot of them are going to be novice and new consumers. These are often people that don't know their own tolerances. They don't often know their own limits and le- levels. I mean, I'll even speak to some friends that I've had that uh, have had incidences with with edibles where they've eaten an edible, felt for thought they were cool several hours later, got in the car, and then with the metabolism, whatever else, they've then just it started to hit them funny, and they've cr- they've crashed cars. And these are people yes. that they have high tolerances, they don't ever get, I'll say, I'm going to air quote here, silly stoned. Do you know what I mean? They, they don't get immature around it. They, they just consume, relax, enjoy themselves. Mm. They're very reasonable um, uh, adults and human beings. But yeah, yeah. They, they still get caught up by this. There's still then an issue that you have to be aware of this idea of impairment. And if there isn't a legal requirement for impairment, the people that are all of a sudden being given cannabis and told you, hey, you can drive, I think then potentially could pose a risk.
1: Mm-hmm. Many drugs you just um it's up to you to determine whether you're impaired. Now it's a strange way around, but most drugs it's that way around, isn't it? Under prescription so don't, is drive, it. don't drive when you're impaired. I mean there's lots of pros and cons about that, but I think that's more sensible than an actual blood level, blood level person.
0: But then if they were to apply that this is what I'm saying is if they were to apply that ubiquitously to everyone that would qualify for a prescription, the rationale would state that you would have to apply that on the other side of it because if then there's now legal defenses being explored for example for passive consumption if you're in a space with somebody that's then smoking theoretically you could be able to put in a defense that you have ingested enough of uh, passive uh, cannabinoids to then get a metabolite uh, reading do you know what i mean uh, so there's, yeah. there's 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 all kinds of, of ways that people are looking at not necessarily nullifying but exploring ways that we can get some power back to a rational conversation. Not everyone wants to drive around like a shorty from Scary Movie with literally like the windows go down and all the smoke billows out. It's not what people are advocating for here. They're advocating for a rational response so that you can have a joint the night before, go to bed, get up in the morning and not get done for this. In the same way with, with alcohol, you know what I mean? I mean, obviously, if you then drank heavily, there's, there's still then an issue, but you make that call yourself. And most rational adults, yeah. if they've then got to drive early, they'll go, well, I'll, I'll cut myself off at 11. Yeah, you the know vast I mean? majority of
1: people are sensible, and those aren't sensible are going to be not sensible anyway, aren't they? So, you know, the law can't cover every idiot. <laughs> they're trying, they're trying, but yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so I suppose one of the things that I wanted to discuss with you as well is this idea of the other therapeutic benefits of let's call it cannabis culture and cannabis cultivation. So huh. we, we've known for a while, the NHS have even prescribed gardening and going on nature walks, um, yeah. to, to individuals with certain, uh, physical and psychological conditions. Yeah. Um, you speak to most people that have then grown their own cannabis successfully from seed to, to, to fruition they'll speak of this journey with it this this nurturing mm. this loving you know I'll speak of it myself the before mm. I, I grew cannabis I didn't have house plans I didn't really understand the need to have a plant indoors but then all yeah. of a sudden I have this yeah. this thing I needed to nurture love care for tend to every day that became a reason to get out of bed it became a reason to sort of fight the depression the the malaise and and the, the kind mm. of melancholy that was setting setting in yes and yes. then The other side of it is then when having that, being able to share it with other people and share a pride and a sense of achievement and then being able to consume it Mm. with with others in safe spaces that are geared towards the culture that that creates. I think that is massively beneficial in terms of uh, anxiolytic as in reducing your general
1: social anxiety personal anxiety. I agree with that. And I think your houseplant analogy is quite right. There are people who benefit hugely from Growing, growing a plant from seed or a cutting and seeing it mature and grow, whether it be houseplant house plant or your back garden, this whole thing about gardening. And cannabis is a, is a remarkable plant, and it takes a lot of nurturing and care and love, really, to get it right. And I can see the, thera- the therapeutic value in that, let alone the end product. I can see that completely. i just digress for a moment because it was just on my mind that I was speaking to it as a German grower, actually, uh, last week. Um, and he's he grows legally in a big, a big commercial greenhouse, and he said he's getting 30% more yield uh, from his um, crop by doing two things. First of all, when he switches his lights on and off, he switches them on slowly to to um, to um, mimic the sunrise and then sunset. And he play. I think, you know, at this point, you know, some people might think he's gone balmy or I've gone balmy relating it. But he has music in the um, greenhouse uh, with raindrops, rain, falling rain, and birdsong. And he says, and he's quite a sane guy, uh, he's compared that to the greenhouse next door where he hasn't put the music in and he gets 30% better yield. So you know, I don't know why I mentioned that, except in the fact that you can nurturing and loving these plants actually will be a benefit, not just for your mental health and psychological well-being, but also for the plant. So it's a, it's a very therapeutic thing to do. And I, you know, I I'm totally behind that.
0: And it, it forms relationships, like I said, and it allows people yeah. to uh, anthropomorphize onto a living being. Yeah. That yeah. In often most people that, that when they're in that position, you grow in yourself because either you have no access or the people that you yeah. can access, it's some, not to be derogatory to any of my listeners, that are in hoodies on bikes. Um, but, you know, you you dealer on the end of the corner. And for a lot mm. of people, that's still quite intimidating. They turn on the news or yeah. open a newspaper, and all they see is this Asbo generation, yob this and hoodie that, and yeah. they, they don't get the everything is causal and reactionary. It, it, it One is generated by the other. This all started with, with hippies in fields and you could spot a cannabis smoker a mile away. Do you know what I mean? In yes. terms of the way they act, the body language, everything, the mannerisms, hey man, the way they speak, the whole, it. Would, everything was out and proud in front. And then because of it and consequential to the war, it then we got more hidden and more reserved and it creates this duplicitous nature in our reality that they can come home and have this loving relationship and sit home with their joint and oh... And yeah, I feel safe, but it's out there again, under attack, and the scared. And what do I smell like? And will I lose my job if I've got red eye? And mm, you know what? Yeah. If, and there's, there's, there's so much anxiety; and it shrinks their, their life. And I think the the other side of this was the the social consumption spaces. I think are are uh, massively beneficial to find another especially a Mm -hmm. lot of people that unfortunately cannabis has still been a last resort medication they're saying you have to go through xyz you have to jump through these loopholes and so the people that are turning to cannabis that are then finding it incredibly beneficial are people that have never experienced it and they've gone through everything else so their their systems are in such a state from a a decade on this four years on this withdrawal of this you know uh, sedentary lifestyle xyz that then once they get something like cannabis that isn't a panacea at all, but is yeah. a, a very versatile uh, multifunctional drug in that it, it targets different areas and it stimulates you in different ways. And it allows you to develop that unique relationship with it. I think then being able to share that with others, yeah. it's it's before we had the academic studies of this, before we had any of the, um, the accepted scholarly pres- uh, avenues towards uh, expertise it was through anecdotal evidence of people gathering together that we understood this that we correlated that data that we were able to kind of go well that works for you this works that works for you i can give you a cutting of this if you do this and do that and then from that we've developed so many different forms of consumption and different forms of concentration that are allowing people to have what would be considered miraculous recoveries from conditions reversals of conditions people no longer meeting qualifying criteria for certain conditions as well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. When we shouldn't have you know, the slight divergence, we shouldn't forget the rest of the plant and its value for the environment these days, um, for carbon sequestration, I can never say that word, um, uh, as well as the value of the other bits of the plant, the hemp seed, the, the fiber, um, you know, clean cleansing of the soil. It's, it is a truly remarkable plant actually. Um, And we, we tend to focus just on the flower, you know, but there's the rest of the plant. If you grow that, you grow, you benefit the environment directly from doing it. And we shouldn't forget that side of it.
0: This is the thing that we're going to come to it to understand that uh, our term summit in a, in an interview last night with Gary, and I can't think of what it is. It was like a corporate and a socialist word that combined together. That was just like, that describes exactly what I'm talking about here. Um, but, yeah, basically, the, if we can integrate all of the facets, the avenues of, of, of understanding and knowledge of this into, yeah, it's one plant, here's its potential benefits. Mm. I mean, most of my listeners will tell you that we talk about the other benefits all the goddamn time, like graphene, the, uh, the, plas- the plastics, you know. Exactly, The kangaroo the exactly. thermal properties. There's yeah, yeah.
1: So, so many and of the... It's brilliant for the many of the developing countries. You yeah. know, it's so, remarkable.
0: But it's, it's, it's like yeah. a community vertical integration, something like that mm. was what I attempted But ba- basically, like... Um, the idea that instead of corporate-owned infrastructure that then is doing it for profit, so they bring everything in-house so that they secure yeah. profit at every level, you do this so the community gets benefit at every level. So mm-hmm. the root systems, for example, they prevent deforestation if you leave them in the ground. Exactly. Because the the, the yeah. diversity of the network, it improves mycology, which is massively mm-hmm. important as we move into really understanding how our fungal friends uh, connect the world and are really going to kind of Frankly, help us moving in yeah. into the future if we have a future at all. Um, you've then got, like I said, the, the fibrous material can reduce us off uh, things like cotton and other destructive textiles, especially things like nylon, which yeah, whole conspiracy there about the DuPont uh, family and them being partly responsible for original marijuana attacks in America, but we'll jump into that in a future episode, I'm sure. Um, like you said, then the the oils that can, can be extracted, they can be taken to, mm. to therapeutics. So then I do want to see a continuation. This is going to be maybe controversial or maybe make some of my viewers spit out their coffee, but I do want to see a continuation of this cannabis-based... Uh, medical products for human consumption, because there are certain individuals that do not have capability to give you visceral response. They can't go, that helps this and affects this. They're not ever going to develop that personal relationship, or if they are, they're never going to be able to express it in a meaningful way to a clinician that's going to be able to help them maintain that and get the most benefit from it. Whereas with every other drug, they've gone through such vigorous standardized testing, uh, standardization and testing that you can basically apply them blindfolded Do you know what i'm saying you know within a enough of a spectrum of surety and probability that individual will have that response yeah. so then you the ethically you know that i'm talking about like people with like locked-in syndromes and that. Like people that have neurological development uh issues you know the extreme uh, side of the autism spectrum and people that don't have cognitive control or uh, best way to describe this Do you know what i'm saying though just mm, people that can't yeah. make that that uh, individual yes. thing, and that includes children as well. Because again, I don't want yes. kids walking into a dispensary in the future and be like, "Well, then get some of that candy, Kush, get some of that, get some of that." They, mm, yes. there's other ways we can we can work yeah. that out. So I think that needs yeah. to be ring fenced. Whereas a, a lot of adults, where as you start to see around the world, when you have an adult consumption market and a m- medical or medicinal market that arises at the same time, most people still stay on the side of that adult consumption. Because mm-hmm. the the relationship, the culture, the atmosphere that that arises is so much more informal, than in direct feedback, they can literally. I don't like that. Return it. Go get another thing. And that night, try it different. They're not having to jump through, sort of the same sort of hoops. They're not having to wait in doctors' waiting rooms. They're not having to yeah. do. I know it's not necessarily the case over so here with uh, online consultation, etc. But the the two very different approaches to the yes. end result. But the yeah. the the that journey matters because it will change how they arrive at that end result. So even if cannabis benefits them, if they've then come to stand on this pedestal in their own mind of going, well, I'm, I'm safe. I've got my paper and they're all druggies and bad people. And, and do you know what I mean? It, it does everybody a disservice. And I'm not saying that anybody in the prescription cannabis sector is doing that, but this is part of what the false dichotomy I was expressing. Yeah. I'm glad we've resolved with this prescription versus medical.
1: Um, yeah, conversation. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. There's a spectrum, isn't there? And there's, there are people who want to medicalize it. Not, I'm not talking admit, I'm talking about the, the patient side. Mm-hmm. They like to be told by a doctor. Um, this, is, this is the thing that's suitable for you. Thank you very much, doctor. I take the prescription as the chemist. There are people who like that. And I respect that. There's people at the other end who say, why should we medicalize this at all? I don't want to go and see a doctor in a white coat. and I want to grow it myself, and I want to understand it myself, and it's, it's my health and my body, and I want to do it that way. I think there should be room for both of those. Uh, but we shouldn't totally dismiss the medicalization of it because some people will respond to that and benefit from it, and we shouldn't also dismiss those who want to go to the other end of the spectrum. I think there should be room for... So it's a spectrum of usage. Uh, so, from so, this so point of view.
0: So then we need full spectrum policy. So, yeah, this is something I, was, I think we we did. I probably pitched this to you last time I had you here. Actually, my vision is is turn the NHS or partly of the NHS into a cannabis cultivation kingpin literally allow them to dominate the uk sector and produce vast quantities of gmp pharmaceutical grade any acronym you want of it, author, authorization and accreditation quality yeah. cannabis that's then out, as it leaves the door some goes to adult some goes to therapeutic the only difference is the taxation because if we're then going to accept that all cannabis has therapeutic benefit the only difference then if we're saying well this has to be going at this quality because it's for patients why would we then we're going to work with a different
1: quality for anything else. Yeah, ex,
0: ex, exa- exactly. Yeah. And so then it's the other side of that is that when you marry that with the industrial application of this, why would mm. then we cultivate millions of plants entirely for their fiber and miss the potential to extract all
1: of those oils? Yeah, that, that is absolutely great. That's one of the, th- we're doing a lobbying project at the moment um, and that's one of the lobbying things we're, we're arguing strongly for is, which is crazy. No, no one with any sanity can say growing hemp in a field and destroying the flower from that hemp, um, forcing them to burn it in the field, is any way sensible at all, uh, particularly if you then allow uh, the, the CBD products on the shelves of Boots and Holland and Barrett, all of which has to be imported by definition. That is just so mind-blowingly stupid but surely even our political colleagues can see the sense of changing those regulations.
0: I think the ones that can were, um, uh, um, how do I say this, potentially, maybe, hypothetically, paid to uh, either look the other way or just be convinced through lobbying that, no, what we're doing is right. Because often I feel that a lot of the policymakers, they either fall into two camps. They're either naive and misinformed or they're paid off to be misinformed <laughs> I mean, there's probably a good one out there every now and then but i haven't looked into it too much um but yeah it's it's i see this vertically again vertically integrated industry mm. that, that we we move beyond again that's my next tackle is hemp so yeah. even in government licensing it's in uh, an inverted commas industrial hemp low thc mm-hmm. cannabis you can't get yeah. a hemp license because legally it doesn't exist. If you look in the dictionary, it's an old English word. It doesn't actually describe anything in the modern language. Cannabis sativa L is the only accepted nomen- nomenclature for the collective mm. body of cannabis and its sub-3 genus. So yes. th- again, the, the more we understand that every time one of us points to anything cannabis, whether it be a CBD isolate, it be mm. a, t- a T-shirt from the, the fibrous materials, a fat joint, a medical prescription we can all see that there's cannabis because again, when we then, Oh yeah, hemp does all of these wonderful things here. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you if these were grown from low THC cannabis or high THC cannabis and nor could an expert because it's irrelevant. The plant doesn't care or know our arbitrary diversions, uh, limiting as you spoke of before, it's potential carbon sequestration abilities. It's limiting, it's potential to create and regenerate and rejuvenate local economies I have, I have seen recently, literally this year, I have seen trees that would rival some that are in California, yet these are in bedrooms i can't get my arms around them i can't get my arms on the top of them (laughs) and these are in bedrooms do you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah
0: people generating serious income these are people that are looking to not get rolexes and mercedes they don't want that they want ethel down the street pension to continue they want the post office to stay open they want the kids on benefit to ensure that they have uniforms you know what i mean they want the roads to be paved the the this this idea that that is often uh, pitched, unfortunately, as again, a false dichotomy from uh, prescription cannabis patients, or not even patients really, but the, the industry or the sector, is that everybody in this black market, or as we prefer to term it, the legacy industry or the legacy market, um, are, are vicious criminals. And we're out there all trying to get you all addicted to drugs and we're outside of school gates. And it's no, these are entrepreneurs, these are some of the most creative, wonderful, beautiful, compassionate, caring people I've ever met are drug dealers. And take that how the hell you want people. I've traveled to innumerate countries. I have met people from all walks of life, all classes, all sectors, and all creeds. And honestly, the most genuine people, if a dealer shake like a, a dealer that I know, not just your, your, your runner, your, your middleman, but your dealer, you know what I'm talking about, your folks, your dealers. If they shake your hand and look in your eye, it's like an old school gangster thing. You are, they don't break that. They don't break that. The new generation don't, don't get that. And then the, the generation after that, they're so lost to it. They are looking to just make that quick buck. So we've ended up with county lines on one side and these guys trying to build brands and industry on the other, yet we're all locked out of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. the way you keep those kids off those corners, the way you stop them chasing that gang-gang lifestyle – is you allow there to be a legitimate industry. Nobody is trying to dress up and act like the the guys that are CEOs of Budweiser and Heineken. Do you know what I mean? You have normalized and made boring that side of it. Yeah, you can get a job in the industry and whatever, but no one's going to listen to that shit. Everyone's going to go out and have a drink or whatever, but no one's going to want to be bothered with the nuance of the industry. We've got to recognize that or my sincere hope, is that within 10 years, this is going to be a boring conversation. The cannabis will be ubiquitous. It'll be everywhere. And there'll literally be a generation of kids going, I'm going, what's prohibition? What does that mean? What's prohibition?
1: Perhaps that's the aim. I should retire when we've finally got cannabis to be boring. (laughs) That's a a, a good aim. That's a good aim. Yeah, man. I've, I've said for a
0: while that my aim for this is anonymity. Is I want to yeah. say, I want to just get, feel that I never need to just sit down and do something because I'm driven by this niggle of, I didn't write, that ain't right. And I'm happy to have those conversations and, you know, lead a march, jump on a stage, do a podcast, write blogs, try and create a conversation and a discourse, because I believe that not one of us has the answers, not in the slightest, but I believe yeah. that coming together and having a reasonable conversation where we're not... Mm moralizing we're not demonizing we're not coming from a classist perspective or from Mm. any Mm -hmm. other form of limited thinking and we can actually see this for what it is because as you say like you spoke before about the people who don't want to medicinalize at all there is a major argument for a part of it to go well tomatoes or anything else your relationship with food you don't have to go and involve another individual you can pay for uh what do you call them a dietitian or somebody to come in and look at and help you build that. but most people you're raised by your mom and told by whatever and you get what's around you. And we that has more of an impact on the collective health in terms of the cost of the NHS, the limitations of that person as an individual than the impact I would say of any drug dependency. Mm. And it's we just can't see it because we've been so narrowed into this that if you are using something yeah. for pleasure you're a bad person. Yes. Yeah, and if yeah, it's alcohol, true. you're
1: cool. <laughs> yeah, there's an irony there. Isn't there? You're absolutely right. Here it is simple. i don't got quite. I've got a. Uh, I don't know what time you wanted, but I've got till three, so I've got another ten minutes or keep, so. Is that keep, if that's keep, okay? Thank you for ten
0: minutes. We'll fire off a couple of quick ones here. Yeah. Um, sorry. That's, and I, that's that's all right. I'm so used to just jumping into long-winded ones. I think people will be happy because uh, Outlaws episode was three hours long, so they'll oh, be happy God, to dip right. into this for a nice hour. No,
1: sorry. <laughs> an, hour's, uh, an hour of me prattling on is far too much anyway, Someone would say. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll disagree with those individuals,
0: Mike, because I always enjoy <laughs> my chats. Um, so then, given everything that we've sort of said, do you think there is... S- scope to um, I suppose at least float with other members of the prescription cannabis group, the idea for creation of spaces, the idea of the other aspects of it can be therapeutic because then mm. I feel that there are a lot of people obviously asking for grow your own. And some people are worried that, well, oh, that'll just, it, it'll, it, it can't be medicine. It can't be the same thing. Whereas then I, th- I think that as we've discussed, the, the creation of a social space where people can get together and, and normalize
1: their own, yeah, Our health I, choices would personally, be I, I'd be very relaxed about those sort of... So, they have social benefit. Um, it has medicinal benefit. You know, I can see the arguments for and against. Um, you know, the, the against argument is how can you make sure the quality and the safety of the product is there? But I, I don't think that's much of an argument. I think you probably can. There's people who, who've grown this for a long time We know how to grow it safely and grow it well. Um, so I personally... I think the the um, the cannabis club concept, like they have in Spain, I think is a perfectly good concept. And I'd be happy. Uh, I'd be happy to open up a debate about that. There's so many debates we can open up in this space. I think, in terms of lobbying and getting things moved on, we can't do everything at the, at the same time. And mm-hmm. if you ask ten people who are interested in knowledge about this space to put ten things in priority order, you probably get ten different answers. My view is let's get the medical prescription side right first because it's absolutely not right. We've said, you know, three NHS prescriptions is not right. I would love to see uh, that opening up to the NHS. That will be my priority first. I totally understand that other people have different priorities and they say, well, why bother the NHS? You're medicalizing it. But my, I suppose, as a medic, it's not surprising I'm focusing on the medical, medical side of it. But I totally understand and totally sympathize with the. Um, the uh, let's call it grow your own come cannabis club concept I think that's absolutely right for some people but it's not right and I think everyone's got to admit it's not right for everybody Um, some people don't want to do that Um, others who do fine let them my great philosophy in life I think is if you're not doing any harm to any others do what you like
0: indeed indeed Um, I truly wish to see a world of adult responsibility individual yeah consciousness of the people are aware of their choices they have the information to make an informed choice and if they still choose to make a a bad choice well that's that's, 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 That's on them and if then they're they're that's what we've
1: strived for for generations isn't it freedom of freedom of choice and freedom of speech and if you give people the information to make their own choices even if they're then bad choices Mm -hmm. that's up to them Indeed. we're getting very it, philosophical here aren't we uh, this, yeah. this is where we're going to have <laughs> to
0: get honestly in order to kind of defeat the the current zeitgeist as it were the, the, in, yeah. sort of the installed ideology we have to build something that encompasses everybody from all facets of this that are cannabis and not cannabis do you know what I mean because the impact of yeah. this is going to be hugely mm-hmm. beneficial to the environment to society as a whole it's going to reduce a uh, binge drinking culture if
1: we go for a full yeah pill, a yeah, pill, yeah pill, but that's so something pill. we haven't society hasn't talked about enough Um, what are the upside not from cannabis but what what, don't you do you get less smoking of tobacco that's clear from some of the the obvious internal experiments in the states where one state's legal one state isn't legal There's less tobacco alcohol consumption goes down you know, and uh, that in turn has spin off benefits, not only for health, but for um, society violence in the streets and, uh, you know, car accidents, all sorts of things like that. I've, I, my life as a brain injury rehabilitation person, I've seen so many people whose lives have been absolutely turned upside down by alcohol. And if we can reduce that, fine, you know, I think there's a, there's a good case for, um, for the other benefits of cannabis as opposed to its direct, its own medical um, benefits. Yeah. Uh, I suppose one
0: more question I wanted to quickly re-ask, yeah. you, re-ask you because it is something that came, uh, came up quite a few times uh, as a result of the last time we had this conversation. Hmm. Is the prescription cannabis sector still not worried about psychosis um, when it's prescribing?
1: No. That's blown out of so much proportion. Um, sure. I don't think anyone can sensibly say that high THC cannabis in some vulnerable individuals causes psychosis or an exacerbation of their existing psychosis. Mm-hmm. Would I, for example, would I prescribe it to someone with active schizophrenia? No, I mean, we're talking about high THC cannabis here. And we shouldn't forget that CBD, of course, is antipsychotic. Uh, and the, the that way, yeah. yeah the, the medical prescription is not designed to get people psychotic, uh, and you know I was talking to Danny Gordon, who's a, a lovely uh, doctor who's prescribed for many thousands of patients in Canada now lives in the UK. She has never seen or heard of a psychotic episode from a medical prescription. So you know I, I, I the, the term is wrong, but it's widely used. the, the skunk, so I, I don't like using the term, but I've used it now, so it's it's out there. But that sort of high THC street cannabis, yeah, in certain people is not desirable. But well, medical, proper, sensible, balanced prescription is totally safe. The psychotic debate is a non-debate in terms of medical cannabis. But prescription cannabis. I slipped it back into old speaking there, didn't I?
0: That's it. Again, this is... Wonderful. That's why I, I love these conversations because we're, we're humanizing here. You know, even from, your, yeah. from your, your wonderful wife bringing you your, your lunch there. To <laughs> yes. So i eating it, by the way. Yeah, we, 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 you, you get that. Let it go. Yeah, yeah. Let it go. Let yeah, go. I'll have it in um, five minutes. <laughs> so it's, it just shows that I'm trying to challenge, I guess, some of the uh, established kind of orthodoxy within the UK community and industry because we seem to have got locked into these ideas that we have to be oppositional whereas what yeah, i want with these conversations yeah. and challenging the language because it's often because of that language like i said the mm. this why it's not too many cooks ruin the broth if we're uh, the soup or whatever it is if we're making a big enough batch and it is literally for this it's not for one of sector, As you said, certain things will advance ahead of others by the nature of our our government and our our current um, sort of cultural inclinations. But I think that having that roadmap allows others to feel comfortable that we're being supported. Because Mm. um, in 2017, 2018, when we stood outside parliament as the so-called recreational community supporting the patients, we were Mm. promised that they would keep that door ajar. And that's Mm. why we came out in the rain and we went, yeah, we'll, we'll promote you guys first. We'll help you. We've got your back. We'll stand there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. all I, all I yeah. want is to help those people get rid of that kind of sense of disillusionment, disenfranchisement, and this kind of despair yeah. that, that they're being left behind because it's, it's yeah. not, this is still very new. It's still malleable. It's still open. Yes. And it's about making a big, for me it's about making a big enough tent that we all get somewhere to
1: sit, you know? I totally agree. And there's been too much division, argument and there still is and always will be to some extent but so many big range of opinion but ultimately uh, we're actually all on the same side we want cannabis to be available for those who need it however you define need and some are coming in from big big cannabis background pharmaceutical type background uh, wanting to make a lot of money for their shareholders. That's one side. And the other people are just saying, to hell with all that. I just want to grow it myself from my back garden. Um, and those sides, and, those, and the once thing I don't think those sides will ever quite meet. Uh, but at least be attuned to the other people's opinion. Let, let, embrace those opinions. And, and intellectually, you can see a case for both sides. Um, and let's just join together. And that's partly what I did when I formed the Cannabis Industry Council. And some would say, well, the, the term's wrong. It's industry. We don't want an industry. So you can argue endlessly about semantics. But basically, we brought that together to bring those diverse views together so we can mould it and influence those we need to influence, which is mainly government and the doctor bodies and the medical side, um, you know, to just pull together. And it's, it's, it's self-destructive mm-hmm. to keep arguing amongst ourselves. There's nothing that, they, that the politicians are like more than a divided lobbying uh-huh. Um, you know, because they always yeah. get your act together and come back to us when you know what you're talking about. And that's what I'd love to see. That I'd want to try, naively perhaps, to get these diverse opinions brought to point in this, let's say, point in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Not agree with each other, but point in the same direction. Indeed, indeed. Or oh, just listen. Make it. I'm alive. hopelessly naive. You know, I've got to nearly seventy now, and I'm still hopelessly naive. So you know,
0: you're, you're an endless optimist. And I think that's one of the things we, <laughs> we share. We I share think,
1: in common. I think I've got to be an endless optimist in this space, haven't you? Indeed, indeed. It's the only way you have legs.
0: Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it is just we build that larger table, and as long as there is respectful yeah. discourse, I think every voice is there. If you're just going to yeah, shout out the house,
1: exactly. Let's respect each other as well, and that's what I. I dislike about social media in many ways. It's so easy for people to be just damn sight rude to each other all the time. Let's have a sensible, polite and respectful debate, even if you come from a totally different um, ethos, different paradigm, whatever you care to call it. Yeah, yeah. So um, social media's got a lot to answer for as well, I have to say, but that's a different debate for a different day. Indeed it is, (laughs) indeed it is.
0: And I think um, my final point on it will be that I, I understand the anger. I understand the grief. Um, I've been there and in some ways I still get and incensed and, and, and enraged um, and have to kind of check myself when I'm doing a podcast or I'm speaking because I I feel it. Yeah. I feel it and I can get it but yeah. if, if we have to articulate it and yeah. get it together so that we can actually as we said before point to the same thing and understand what it is because until yeah. then we're all just a bunch of monkeys in a room pointing at an object going huh? Eh? Eh? Eh?
1: Eh?
0: Eh? <laughs> Once we know what it is we can pick it up we can understand it we can truly move yeah. forward with it and I think we're yeah. Yeah. We're on the precipice of that this year, where we are. We're either going to fall the wrong way and we've got another 10 years of Bojo's plan of the war on drugs, or we fall on the other side of it and accept that actually, you know, not just cannabis, but most of the entheogenic psychedelic compounds have have benefit, and that actually yeah. a decriminalization yeah. of all drugs would have benefit on society and individuals. And yeah. we're on that knife edge. And I think that these conversations yeah. give us the weight to fall the other way.
1: I agree. Well, okay. so far, I've got to go on this other call, and yeah. as ever, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I'm happy to, uh don't another sixty episodes. Ask me back whenever you like, and we'll explore a lot of other things there are to explore. Indeed. Since I only managed to rob you for an hour, I think we might make that thirty. We'll, uh, we'll get you back. Soon All right. But yeah, thirty. But I'll come back for episode ninety-eight then done yeah sweet we we'll are getting in the day all right. all right it's been a pleasure mike honestly thank you it's very a much. pleasure to talk to you as ever and your listeners
0: thanks a lot i'll have my lunch indeed <laughs> feel free feel free to drop out i'll do housekeeping and uh wine
1: all right lovely uh, thank you everybody thanks simper see you great soon. To see you brother peace bye
0: well folks that was mike barnes professor mike barnes i do enjoy conversations with him um probably he's shown a little bit of a lacking of my professionalism there probably should have asked him how long he had there i made the assumption uh we've written in the margins of my notes there that i've got two hours so that's why i was a uh, laxadaisy sort of moving meandering through my points and not really uh sort of getting as concise as i could have if i'd have known it was only an hour there's quite a few questions there, actually i did want to ask him I didn't actually ask him the usual question you know what does the the the, the year hold for you um the year ahead um didn't get to ask him what he thought of uh, regions around the world and their various models so again yeah we're gonna have to get him on pretty pretty soon concentrates as well wanted to ask him about shatter all those sort of thing things but you kind of answered that thing towards the end what he saying about high THC and potential vulnerability towards uh, certain individuals that are susceptible uh, and have a predisposition towards certain psychos- psychosis or psychotic type illnesses or um afflictions but yeah that was Mike Barnes that was a pleasure uh, check him out in the links below I think we will include uh, was he from Medical Cannabis Clay, uh, Clinic Society Maple Tree and uh, the CIC which as uh, we kind of touched on has recently just launched the adult consumption spec group uh, which you may have seen on social media is now being chaired by the wonderful Dr. Callie Seaman we will have her on again very soon I think it will be our third appearance uh, on this uh, podcast to discuss her plans for the future and what this means um, but yeah it's good to see that the Cannabis Industry Council has now created a space for conversations or at least scope for a conversation of what models to include in terms of social consumptions. There'll be then obviously conversations about grow your own, about um, trade, sales, um, you know, gift economy, all the other kind of beautiful uh, novel ways that we kind of nullified the law in America and Canada and other regions. So, yeah, exciting times ahead, folks. Please do like, share, subscribe. Check us out on uh, all social media platforms at Simple Life. And uh, yeah, as I said, before it's valentine's day all right so it is for the day you're watching this so whatever other day i still love you and i still hope you find uh somebody that you know lights up your soul and gives you that that fire in your belly and gives you a reason to, to strive to to work hard to find to find the means and ability to make a, a home for them uh and yourself so yeah you go find that little folks peace and love oh patreon and shit money in thing coffee you know what it is